Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. You know, and we've been in Bible study in the women's ministry um, in the book of Ephesians. And last week we went through Ephesians 6, but before that we were in Ephesians 5. We were talking about wives submitting to their husbands. So that was my submission to my husband as I walk up here and have him pray over me and prepare my heart to be able to bring the word of God to you this morning. I am so excited because number one, it is Baptism Sunday and there is no greater Sunday in my mind than when we get to celebrate the baptism people taking, that's right, steps. of faith and being able to put their faith in Jesus and then outwardly expressing that and showing it to the world um, around them that they are believers, that they love Jesus and that they're gonna live their lives in accordance with his ways. And so what a wonderful Sunday to be a part of. And again, it's never too late to sign up. So at the end of the sermon, if you put your faith in Jesus and you wanna be baptized, we have towels and a change of clothes for you and we would love for you to do that. But all right, we have been in this, series called Iconic. And we have been going through the book of John. Today, we're going to find ourselves in John chapter six, where Jesus performs one of the greatest and most monumental miracles recorded in all four gospels. In all four gospels, Jesus is going to multiply five loaves of bread and two fish, and he is going to feed thousands, and I mean thousands of people dinner. It's an unbelievable miracle. It's so massive and so important that it's actually recorded in all four gospel messages in Matthew, Mark, Luke. And today we're gonna be reading it from the vantage point of John, the disciple John. And the central point of John's entire book is this idea of life that Jesus came to give us real, eternal, full and abundant life. And this miracle in John 6 is all about the life that Jesus wants to give us. And I want us to go ahead and take a look at a portion of scripture that's actually not in John chapter 6. It's in John chapter 10. But this is the reason why Jesus came. In John 10, 10, it says the thief, that's the enemy, that's Satan. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have what? Life and have it abundantly. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And in chapter six, what we're going to see is that we're all trying to find answers to life's biggest questions, but so often we're looking for meaning and purpose and the answer to those questions apart from Christ. We're looking for it apart from Christ. But this morning, we're gonna see that Jesus is life. He offers life. But we're gonna ask the question, what is this life that Jesus offers? And how do we get it? So if Jesus offers us life, what does it look like? And how do we get it? I wanna start up and set up chapter six by telling you a little story about my daughter, Lily Hope. So about six years ago, maybe seven, probably seven years ago, almost seven years ago, uh, we moved out here from the city of Atlanta and we took many plane rides back and forth on our way 
out here to get settled. And on one of those plane rides, Leo got to come with me. And this was one of her first times flying in an airplane. And to her little six-year-old mind, I mean, this was amazing. This was like the greatest opportunity. She'd never been in an airplane, so she packed her bags. We got all settled in the back of the plane because that's where we sit, in the back of the plane. And we got ourselves a little window seat and uh, she watched us take off on the runway and her eyes were just wide with excitement. And then we got to 10,000 feet and something magical happened. All of a sudden, these stewardesses started coming up and down the aisles and they started offering people free drinks and free food. And they stopped at Lily Hope's at our little aisle and they looked at Lily Hope and one of the stewardess said, ma'am, would you like a bag of cookies? And she was like, mom, can I have a bag of cookies? And I'm like, of course you can have a free bag of cookies that I paid for for your ticket. But yes, you can have that free bag of cookies. Why not? And then she said, well, can I have two bags of cookies? And I'm like, what the heck? This is gonna be a long flight. Have two bags of cookies. So she got her two bags of cookies. She put them on her table in front of her. And then the stewardess turned and she looked back at Lily Hope and she said, now, ma'am, would you like something to drink? Maybe I could get you some lemonade. Maybe I could get you some Sprite. And all of a sudden she was like, can I have a Sprite? And we don't do soft drinks at six years old, but we were on this special little trip together as a mother and daughter. So I said, what the heck, you can have some Sprite. And her eyes lit up and she was like, I will take a Sprite. So she got her Sprite, she got her two bags of cookies. And then the stewardess said, would you like some headphones to watch the movie Frozen? To which my daughter's like, I can watch the movie Frozen. I can pick from any Disney movie on the screen in front of me. And she's like, yes, you can. So Leo grabs her headphones and she grabs what the stewardess offers her last, which is a blanket. And she just cuddles in and she settles in and she looks out the window and I'll never forget what she said to me next. She looked over at me and she said, mom, this is living. This is living, mom. And I just cracked up and I thought, you know what? In her six-year-old little mind, this whole experience was the essence of the best that life had to offer her. I mean, it was like the best that it could get. And I just think, and I laugh when I think back over that story, I think, haven't we all experienced these kinds of moments? Haven't we all had moments like this when everything feels right and when we feel like we're really living? And so today I wanted to title my message, This is Living. This is Living. And maybe for you, you define living at your home when all your children come back for the holidays and they bring your grandchildren and you're sitting around the Christmas tree and you're opening presents and everyone has smiles on their faces and they're getting exactly what they want. And you're like, this is living. Or maybe it's Thanksgiving when you have the whole family around the dinner table and you're saying what you're grateful for and you're like, this is living. Or maybe it's when you've worked for four years to get that diploma and you've been in school for all those years just to get to that spot where you can get your dream job and they hand you that diploma 
and you just think, now this is living. Or maybe it was that trip or that vacation you saved up for. Maybe it was that promotion at work, that pay increase, and you're like, this is living. Maybe it was a sunset hike in the mountains where you're taking in the majesty and glory of God and you are looking around and you're saying, this is living. We all know these feelings, friends, and we all experience these moments because they speak to some core longing and desire in our hearts. You know, throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus uses the language. He uses the analogy of hunger and thirst to talk about this longing within us, this hunger and thirst to feel seen, to feel loved, to feel included or important, to feel successful, to find freedom. These moments bring us a sense of meaning and purpose and happiness and contentment. And these moments, they matter, friends. They do. They're beautiful and they're meaningful. But we all know that they don't last forever. Life is not a series of never-ending, blissful moments. They all at some times fade away. It's not just two bags of cookies and a Sprite and a movie by a window seat. There is no way to make it through this life without experiencing some type of pain, some type of suffering, some type of disappointment, because we know that this world has been broken by sin. But I do believe that these moments are just signposts pointing us towards the reality that we were made for something more. You were made for something more. It's like shadows pointing us to the sun. And I believe it's brief glimpses of what John actually offers us in the gospel. And it's the answer to our deepest questions and the satisfaction of our deepest longings. And this is what the gospel of John is talking about. He's talking about real, true life, life to the fullest. And he wants you to experience it. And so Jesus over and over again in the book of John gives us sign after sign after sign. And all those signs are pointing to something. So we're gonna look at John chapter six today. We're not gonna read number um, verses one through 15. We're gonna summarize it for you really quickly. But this sign is pointing to something. And if you open your Bible to John chapter six, you'll see the heading of the chapter is Jesus feeds the 5,000. But we learned through scripture that that was only 5,000 men that were present at the time, not including women and children. So scholars believe, theologians believe that there were upwards of 20 to 25,000 people present at the time of this miracle. This makes it the largest miracle Jesus ever did in scope and scale and in impact. This was a huge sign, so we don't want to miss it. Now, the summary of verses 1 through 15 goes like this. Jesus had been ministering in Jerusalem. He decided to get away from the crowds, so he goes across the Sea of Tiberias, and he's trying to find some solitude and some, and some rest. 
But of course, the crowd saw all the signs back in Jerusalem. They saw him heal the man in chapter five. And so they follow after him, all 25,000 of them. And they come to this desolate place where there's no food, there's no water, there's no way for them to have dinner. And it turns out it's dinner time. So Jesus looks at his disciple, Philip, and he says, Philip, where are we gonna get enough bread to feed all these people? And Philip's like, you know what? Jesus, not even a year's wages. If we had a year's wages, it would feed all of these people, even a bite. And then all of a sudden, Andrew comes up to him and he says, well, you know what, Jesus? We've got this little boy here with five loaves and two fish. Wonder what you can do with that. Jesus is just setting up the miracle, right? He's setting up the miracle. So Jesus takes the five loaves, the two fish. He gives thanks and he feeds all the people dinner. They're all fed by the hand of their maker. Don't miss that. And then there was so much food left over that they were actually able to fill up 12 baskets afterwards. That's very important. We'll come to that at the end of the message. But every sign, like I said, in the book of John is not just meant to point us to what Jesus can do, but is meant to point us to who Jesus is. And unfortunately, we see right here that the crowd, they missed the message. They saw the sign, but they missed its meaning. And their agenda for Jesus was just too small. Their agenda for Jesus was just too small. We're gonna pick it up in verses 14 and 15. It'll be on the side screens. And we're gonna see how the crowd responds to Jesus's miracle of feeding almost 25,000 people. When they saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. And perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Je Jesus just keeps trying to get away from everybody. Y'all notice that? But everybody just keeps following after him. So they follow after him, they run after him. And Jesus looks at him and he goes, listen guys, you're seeking me in verse 26 and 27. He says, you're seeking me not because you saw the sign, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Don't work for that which spoils, work for the food that leads to eternal life. But it's funny because when I read this story, I was like, you know what? I probably would have been a lot like the crowd. Like they had very real and immediate needs. Not only were they hungry, but they were also an oppressed people group. They, they were under the Roman empire and they wanted freedom, right? So they were looking for a king. And when they saw that Jesus could, he had the ability to multiply the bread, they reacted as I think most of us would. They believed he was there to, to end their immediate suffering, to meet their immediate needs. In verse 14 and 15, they thought Jesus was there to overthrow Rome when in fact, Jesus had come to overthrow Satan and put an end to sin and eternal death. In verses 26 and 27, they thought he had come to meet their physical needs when in fact, he had come to give them spiritual food that leads to eternal life for their souls forever. 
You see, Jesus saw the bigger picture of life. He knew what they were really up against. They wanted him to end their suffering here and now, but he had come to put an end to the eternal suffering that was to come. You know, we had this unfortunate thing happen in our family over this past week. Our son Sawyer was out on, um, at school on the recess blacktop and he was playing soccer and he ended up getting hit in the hand with a ball and it ended up breaking his finger. So we took him to the orthopedic doctor and, you know, thankfully we didn't have to have surgery, but the doctor did, said, did say that they were gonna have to reset the bone. And if you've ever had a broken bone or you've been in a situation like this, you know it's not very fun. In fact, it's extremely painful. He didn't wanna go through with it. His immediate desire was to be out of pain, but his real need was to have his finger healed correctly. And you know, it's funny because John and I both were sitting there. We knew what was gonna have to happen. And even we didn't want him to have to go through that pain. We knew though that his immediate wants were not as important as his long-term need. If he ever wanted to use that finger again, he was going to have to have it fixed and have it fixed correctly. And we had to trust the doctor because we knew the doctor could see the whole picture and he was the only one who could reset it to the right position. And friends, it's no different with Jesus and the crowds because he saw their immediate needs and yes, he had compassion on them, he fed them, but he also knew that all they were thinking about was the here and now life. All they were thinking about was their immediate needs. And Jesus was concerned about the big picture of their life and their eternal life after that. And he knew he was the only one who could see the, old, the whole arc of history and the story of life and what he was offering to them was better even if they couldn't see it right then. You know, as I was studying for this chapter and as I was researching, I came across something amazing. You know, there are two words in the Greek dictionary for our one English word, life. And they are this, bios and zoe. So these are the two Greek words that are oftentimes used in the Greek language for life. But bios means physical bodily existence, the state of being. So to have bios means that you just exist. You're here, you're a state of being, just like everything else in this world. But Zoe is the eternal life of God. It's the quality of your life. It's the passion, the joy, the fulfillment of your life. And the, it's amazing because oftentimes when the word Zoe is used in scripture, it's meant to describe the indestructi indestructible life of Christ in the Christian the indestructible life of the Christ in the Christian. And it's so interesting because the crowds were focused and they were concerned on their bios. They needed that physical bodily help. When Jesus was focused on the quality of their eternal life, 
And what they didn't realize is that they had a greater need. They had a Zoe kind of need. They had a spiritual life that needed to be reconnected with the source of their creator and the source of life itself. And in John chapter six, verse 33 through 35, Jesus uses this Zoe form of life when he says, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life. Here's that word Zoe to the world. So Jesus is saying the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven. I am the one that gives eternal life, that gives a quality of life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I am your Zoe. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, will never be thirsty. And in John 6, 40, he says this. He says, it's my father's will that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. That word Zoe again. And I will raise them up on the last day. So Jesus is offering them and offering us more than just bios, more than just physical existence, he is offering us Zoe, the real true life, eternal life of God here and now and for the future. But what is the Zoe life that God is offering us? Let's take a look. It is the satisfaction of our deepest needs and longings. It's every hunger and thirst that we have. He wants to meet all of those things. And then it is the eternal life that you receive from him from the dead. So let's take a look at the satisfaction of our deepest needs and longings, our hunger and our thirst. You see, we all have these fundamental questions, all these things that we are hungry for and thirsty for that we ask ourselves on a daily basis. We ask ourselves, who am I? Am I loved? Am I successful enough? Am I important, wanted, needed? Am I seen and accepted? Am I safe? Do I have a purpose? Am I good enough? We all have these fundamental needs and desires. And I, I believe that they're wired into our human souls by our creator. We have this need for greatness, for unconditional love, for peace, for connection with other people, for forgiveness. We have a need um, for our lives to have meaning and purpose. We long for beauty. We long for rest. But I'm afraid, friends, that we are all sprinting and hustling and we're running through life, knocking on door after door after door, asking the question, do you have the love that I'm looking for? Will you see me and accept me? Do you want me? Can I find greatness and success behind door number three? Can we, have I missed my chance? Who can give me a life worth living? We knock on doors of financial provision and we wonder if money can satisfy the deepest longings and give us what we want and what we need, friends. 
We ask the question, can we find rest behind this door? Can I find peace for my anxious soul behind this door? Where do I find my purpose, my calling? What am I here to do with my life? Will my life even matter? Does my life even matter? You know, we are hungry and thirsty to answer these questions, for the world to answer those questions. And it's funny because I think back over this last week and how it was a tradition for many people to celebrate Halloween and how kids would run door to door on Halloween night and they would be looking for their favorite candy. And now we've got teens in our house. So word on the street is that you wanna go to the door that offers the king size candy bars. You know what I'm talking about, friends. If you have parents of littles, like they are looking for the monster-sized candy bars. And so the kids strategize, they talk, you know, what neighbor has this, what neighbor has that? And when it gets dark, they go out running until they're exhausted. And then they come home, they dump their candy on the floor to see if they found what they really were wanting, what they were looking for. And here's the crazy thing they usually do find a couple things that they love and they consume it within 60 seconds. And you and I both know that that never turns out good because that candy that they longed for, that they were hungry for, they were thirsty for, yes, it did satisfy for a moment, but if they ate too much, suddenly you're not craving that candy anymore. You're actually miserable. You walk away from the candy bag and you lay your head on your bed because you're actually sick. And my kids are no different than me. I mean, I have a sweet tooth that I don't consume candy in 60 seconds, but let me tell you something else, guys. When my heart is not satisfied in Christ, when the truth of God's love and forgiveness seems far away or irrelevant for my life, what do I do? I go knocking door to door, looking for people or things to satisfy the deepest needs of my soul. It never works because I was made for more and because you were made for more. Y'all, candy isn't evil. It's not bad. But some of us, when we try and live on it, it spoils. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Do not work for the bread that spoils. Do not toil for the bread that spoils. The thing that's going to make you sick. It won't sustain your life. What he's talking about in chapter six, verse 35, when he says, come to me and you'll never be hungry or thirsty again. He's saying, friends, are you tired enough? Are you weary enough? Come to me, be satisfied. Come to me and find real, true life. That Zoe life that you've been looking for, that real life that you were meant to live. Because when Jesus hung on the cross, friends, when he hung on the cross for you and for me, do you know what he was doing? He was securing your future. He was meeting every longing, your greatest needs. He was becoming the answer to every question, every hunger and every thirst that you will ever have. You're looking for meeting? Well, according to Psalm 145, your life was meant to glorify God and enjoy him forever, friends. 
You were created to glorify God and enjoy His presence forever. That is the meaning of your life and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You're looking for purpose. Well, your purpose is that you would declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful life. First Peter 2, 9. You're looking for identity. He now calls you a child of God, a son or daughter of the King, according to 2 Corinthians 6, 18. You are important and wanted by Him because He chose you before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians 1, 4. He loves you unconditionally, according to Romans 5, 8, because even while you were a sinner, dead in your trespasses, he died for you. You want to know if you're enough? Well, Ephesians 2, 8 says, it is by grace that you have been saved by faith, not according to what you can do for him. You cannot work your way into approval with God. There is nothing you can do to make him love you more. You are enough in Christ. Are you looking for security and safety? First John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but for perfect love casts out fear. You are forgiven. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sin and purify you from all unrighteousness, according to 1 John 4, 9. Are you looking for rest, friends? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, according to Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus is the satisfaction of your deepest needs and every longing that you will ever have. Amen, friends. Amen. But this Zoe life, it's just not, it's not just the satisfaction of our deepest needs and longings. It is eternal life from the dead. It is the resurrected life. John 6, 48 through 51 says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. You know, the sign that Jesus performed in chapter six was supposed to remind the Israelites, we're supposed to remind the Jewish people of the Exodus journey. It was supposed to remind them of the bread from heaven that God gave them when they were in, when they were coming out of Egypt and going to the promised land. Do you remember when they were in the wilderness, how God supplied them manna, bread from heaven to sustain them, to keep them alive? But that bread could not give them eternal life. And so he is saying that the eternal life you're looking for, the true bread from heaven, the thing that's going to sustain you and keep you alive is me. The sign was pointing to himself as a means and way to eternal life. Friend, sin separates us from God, who is the source and author and giver of life. And when Jesus died on the cross, when he gave his body, when he broke his body, as we break the bread at communion and we remember 
and He shed His blood on the cross to cover and forgive us of our sins, He made a way back for us to the Father. So how do we get this Zoe kind of life? How do we get this Zoe kind of life? John 6, 24 and 28 through 29 says it plainly. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears, whoever listens my word, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Then the crowd asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? So oftentimes we ask God, what do we need to do to make you love me? Here is all that he's saying. Here is all that Jesus requires. The work of God is this, to believe in who the one he has sent, to believe in Jesus, to hear the message, to hear the message and believe in Jesus. Friends, not only has he given us the answer to our deepest longings and greatest questions. Not only is he offering us eternal life, but there is something we must do in order to obtain it. We must hear the message, we must receive his offering, and we must put our faith in him. We must trust in him. We must believe in him. We must believe that what he did for us on the cross and his resurrection from the dead is the Zoe life that we have been looking for. And the only way to receive this kind of life is through grace. It's only through the grace of God. And that's what the leftover baskets represented. Let's go back to verse 12 and 13. It says, when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Do you know what I think Jesus is trying to show us here? I think what he's trying to say is that his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and the shedding of his blood and his broken body was so great that it never runs out, it actually runs over. It never runs out, it actually runs over. His sacrifice was more than enough for the whole world and it's available to all of us this morning. It's available to you and to me and to everyone under the sound of my voice. If you would just put your faith in Jesus, you would have the abundant life that you are looking for. The answers to your deepest longings and your greatest needs and eternal life, resurrection from the dead, and not just resurrection from the dead, but the abundant life here and now. And I know you can say, well, my life doesn't look very abundant. I'm going through some horrible things. Well, he promises you that he is the bread that you consume. He is the one that you come to when you're in need. He is the one that will satisfy you, will see you through. He is the one who promises to never leave you or forsake you. He is the one that sustains you and keeps you alive. So have you tasted the true bread from heaven, friends? 
Have you consumed His grace and forgiveness and mercy? And will you believe that He is who He says He is? The Savior of your soul, the life that you were looking for, the satisfaction to your deepest longings and deepest needs. Will you believe that He is the Zoe kind of life the real, true, eternal life you've been waiting for. Isaiah 55 says it like this. It says, come everyone who thirsts, come. Prerequisite, if you have need, come to me, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat without money and without price. Consume it, make it your own. God is giving this to you. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? Friends, unbelief is costly and it's disappointing, he's saying. So come to me with your ears wide open. Listen to me, believe in me, and you will find life you will find life. We're gonna take communion right now. For those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, this is a representation of God's broken body, Jesus's broken body that was given to you on the cross. It's a, it is a symbol of His blood that was shed for you, that runs over for you for everything you've ever done, for everything you've ever experienced, for every sin, every mistake, every shortcoming. We're gonna take this communion together, but I don't wanna take this without offering somebody in this room eternal life this morning. If you would say that you are here and you've never heard the life-giving message of the gospel and you wanna put your faith in Jesus this morning, I wanna offer it to you. So with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I just wanna say, if that is you, if you have come hungry and thirsty, if you've been knocking on doors after door after door in this life, but you cannot find the thing that satisfies, I am going to tell you right now, the one you have been looking for is Jesus Christ and He has given His life away for you. So put your faith in Him. I'm gonna pray a prayer, these have to be your words. And if you wanna pray this prayer with me, I would just ask, would you boldly raise your hand this morning? And would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm in need of your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. So I put my hope and my faith and my trust in you. I believe that you are the true bread from heaven the one that gives me life, that keeps me alive, that, that gives me the abundant life here and gives me eternal life and the life to come. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your broken body and your blood that you shed for me. I thank you for your forgiveness. And I place my trust and faith in you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.